So how many people here have ever faced rejection in your life? You know, I, I know uh, it, it comes in all sorts of areas and all sorts of ages and differences in life. Thankfully, when I proposed to my wife, I did not have to face rejection. Her older brother had different ideas, but you can tell who won that little discussion. Uh, but I do, I do know that sometimes people get rejected when they, they propose to somebody. That the, the girl or the guy says, no, that's not exactly what I had in mind, so I know what can happen. And if that's happened to you, I'm sure that's a traumatic thing. It's a tough thing. Anybody here ever apply for a job that you didn't get? You read about it in the newspaper or somebody tells you about it and you're really excited to go get this job. You fill out the application, you get the interview, and you go and you pour your heart and soul and you commit. And they say, you get a letter in the mail that says, sorry, not qualified, we, we chose somebody else. Or you get that phone call or they never call you back. Right? Anybody ever experienced rejection that way? Uh, a form of rejection I've never experienced is sending off a letter to a school, like to college, whether it's to the Grizzlies or the Bobcats, depending on who you are. Uh, you, you, some people send off letters to, to big colleges because they want to go there, and they get a rejection letter that says, sorry, whatever they put in those things. I never even applied to something like that, so I don't even know what a rejection letter might look like. But people have experienced that, and maybe that's you. Or even just the fact family members have rejected you, or your friends, or your coworkers, because you, have made, you, you took a stand, and they did not like it. You had your faith or you took a stand for what you're right, or you stood up for somebody, and everybody says, we don't appreciate that stance that you took, so you're the outcast, so you're rejected. Anybody ever face something like that? I know it's very difficult to be in situations like that. And believe it or not, if you're in ministry, uh, full-time or short-term or, or any point, you can have the same feelings that you have being rejected for those reasons as you have for not getting the girl that you wanted, or not getting the job that you wanted, or not getting to the school. <clears throat> you can find yourself frustrated, right? If you're trying to, to share the gospel with somebody, you're trying to bless somebody, and they're not responding well to it, it can be frustrating. It can make you mad and say, I'm, I'm quitting this, I don't like this. It can make you sad. It can make you bitter. It can, all these, this huge gamut of emotions that you can feel for being rejected in other areas of life, you can experience if you get rejected in ministry. And in today's message, we find out that the disciples face rejection. They're trying to do exactly what Jesus has told them to go do. It is not received well, and so they don't, re they don't want to re respond well to that. And so that were, is what we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. We're going to see we have to be resolved if we're going to do ministry. If we're going to do anything for the Lord, we have to be resolved or determined to do it because most likely you're going to face rejection. And then how are you going to deal with it when you face the rejection? I want to pray again and ask God's blessing on this time. God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the chance to share this. God, I thank you for what you have taught me through this, God, because it does get a little personal. Maybe it's just me or maybe it's because of my position. I don't know. But I just pray that, God, you'd help us all to have the resolve that we need to do what you've asked us to do and then we'll, to handle the rejection the right way. And I pray, God, that you'd speak to us as we all need to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start with reading the passage, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. It says, At the, As the time approached for him, meaning Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria, or a Samaritan village, to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. 
When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem. He was determined. He set his face. He had resolved. There was nothing that was going to stop him from doing what God had planned for him to do. Now, when he was resolved to do what, what God was asking him to do, he wasn't just like, sure, I'll go. I have no idea what's going to come, but this is what God wants me to do, so I'm, I'll go. Sure, it sounds like a good idea. Let's go to Jerusalem. No, when he was going to Jerusalem, he knew exactly what was coming. A few weeks ago, we looked at uh, when Jesus was on the Mount, of Transfig when he was transfigured, he showed his disciples his true colors. He was talking to Moses and Elijah. And, and that was in, uh, back in the start of chapter, how about chapter 9, verses 30 to 31. There's two men up there. And they spoke to him about his departure, which was about to come to fulfillment at Jerusalem. That was referring to his exodus from the earth. That's where Jesus was going to die. He was going to exit. And so Jesus knows this is kind of getting down to the wire. This is getting to the end of my earthly ministry. Jesus knew from, uh, from the book of Isaiah some of the things that he was going to experience. And from the book of Psalms, he knew he was going to have this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. People were going to be excited to see him. But he also knew that shortly after that, he was going to have one of his disciples betray him. He was going to be disowned. He was going to have his beard plucked out. He was going to be beat beyond human recognition. He was going to be up on a cross, dying, for the sins of the whole world. He wasn't oblivious to what was going on. He knew what was going to go on. But he was resolved. He was determined, I'm going to Jerusalem and nothing is going to stop me. The disciples, they at the moment don't understand what that's like. Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem and the way that he was resolved to go to Jerusalem is the same way we need to be resolved to do what God has asked us to do. Now, we just had New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day. Anybody make resolutions still keeping them? Right? Normally, when, like I, I told you guys, with, with my resolutions that I made for year after year, I must have not have really meant them to touch my toes because that's really all I can do. I'm not faking. That's it. You know, I'd have to, we're not talking about your New Year's resolution that it's like, I really don't want to. I know I need to do something. I know I need to improve on something. So I'm going to kind of half-heartedly make this res resolve or this resolution. We're not talking about that kind of resolve. We're talking about the kind of resolve that I see in ranchers here, where I'm not feeling good, it's snowing outside, it's freezing, but I'm not going to stay in bed. I'm going to get out of bed, get on my tractor, and it doesn't matter what is going on, I'm going to feed those cows. No, no ranchers, I don't think, have ever, especially this time of year, said, I don't feel good, I don't really care about my cows, I'm just going to ignore them. You got pregnant cows, right? They're going to eat. They need water, and you're going to get up no matter what the cost, and you're going to take care of them, right? That, or you're going to find somebody else who's able to do that, but you're not going to just say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. You're going to make it happen. We're talking about the kind of resolve that mothers, when you had babies, when they were, when they were little, and they had to wake up three or four times a night to, to eat or to get their diaper changed, or, or they're older, they're at home, and they're coughing and hacking all through the night. You don't just say, oh, well, I'm going to just plug my ears and go back to sleep. You have resolve or determination. I'm going to get up and I'm going to take care of my kid, right? That's the kind of resolve that we're talking about, the kind that, these, that Jesus is, 
had, and that's the kind that we need to have. We need to, we need to have that. Whether we're, we're called to full-time ministry, we need to have resolve that's unwavering, or it's something temporary, or it's something part-time, like helping in Awana or teaching Sunday school. And I use church examples because that's why I'm here. I mean, I try to get out into the world and see what people are doing, but I know that I don't know everything of what's going on. But the easiest thing is like being resolved here at church. But even if, you're, if you have the desire, I know God's asking me to go talk to my coworker at work, or I need to go talk to my neighbor about Jesus, I need to have that same kind of resolve that nothing is going to stop me. Because the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to have 14 different options or distractions. I'm going to talk to so-and-so, and guess what's going to happen? All of a sudden, somebody else is going to butt in on the conversation. They're not going to be home. They're going to be leaving and having to go. And you don't just say, oh, well, I went to their house. Oh, well, I sat down with lunch. You have the resolve that you're going to find some other way to do it. You're going to get there. There's nothing that's going to stop you. Now, Jesus knew, and there's a difference between us and Jesus in this, which obviously there's about a zillion differences between us and Jesus. But one of them is Jesus knew what was coming when he went to Jerusalem. Do you think that made it easier for Jesus to be resolved to go to Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen? I mean, maybe it did. Maybe you're like, I don't care what the outcome is. If, as long as I know what to expect, I'm okay with it. But most likely, uh, most people are like, I don't want to know. I mean, if I knew, I'm, I'm planning on going to Baker for, to get some medicine and some food today after church. If I knew I was going to get in a car wreck, how many people think I'm going to go? I want to go. I'm going to be resolved to go. I think, Noah, we're just going to make what we have work, right? And that's how it kind of works. But if you're one of those people who think, boy, I really want to know what's going to happen before I go, I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen if you're resolved to, to follow Jesus. But I can give you some hints of what it's going to be like. And I'm sorry, they are not all good hints. They're not all good things. In a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the next passage where the, the my little title says the disciples are tested and it talks about some of the the side effects or some of the things you might have to sacrifice in order to be a disciple we find in verses 57 to 58 uh, how about 58 it says foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head do you know what he's giving up or possibly giving up in that they're giving up their security they're giving up their comfort people who go to a different town to live, or they're going to a different country, or they're going someplace, they're giving up everything that they're comfortable with and everything that they know to go. Boy, that doesn't sound like, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to have to do that. I'm, I don't know if I really want to do that. Uh, the next guy, uh, he says, I'll go with you, but first let me bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You might have to give up your family if you're going to go where God wants you to do. Great, I'm giving up my comfort. I'm giving up my family. I don't know if I really like this. And then the last one, it says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You might have to give up your hobbies. You might have to give up your own ambitions, your own desires, if you're going to do what God wants you to do. Boy, this is is not an easy uh, choice to make. It doesn't matter. We still need to be resolved to do what Jesus wants. And it's not a resolve that's based off of I'm going to do this or not do this based off of what it's going to cost me. Because I guarantee you, if you're going to be resolved to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. I mean, that's just the nature of the business. 
But it's not supposed to be based off of what it costs you. It's supposed to be based off of what did Jesus already do for us. Jesus was already determined to go to Jerusalem. He knew he was going to die for us. He had that resolve, and it was going to cost him his life. And so it's not based off of what it's going to cost us. It's based off of what it already cost Jesus, what he already did. I want to encourage you and challenge you, be resolved to do what God wants you to do. But when you decide to be resolved to do what God wants you to do, you're most likely going to face rejection. Not everybody is going to like your decision. They're not going to like where it's going to take you. Verses 52 and 53. And Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So first, right off the bat, you see that the disciples are facing rejection. Now, if you're not familiar with the relationship with the, between the Jews and the Samaritans, you might be thinking this is really rude. But the, the Jews and the Samaritans have not gotten along for hundreds of years. They do not like each other. And it kind of it goes back to, uh, you, you can almost trace it back to the whole nation of Israel. Everything was just fine between the northern and the southern kingdom. But when, after Solomon died, it split to the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Well, the northern kingdom of Israel got captured by the, Assyrian, by the Assyrians. A huge chunk of people got drug off to Assyria, and they stayed there, but not every single person made it. And then, So there's people who stayed in Israel, but then other peoples were brought into that land to kind of populate it so that it wasn't taken over by wild animals and so life can keep going. It makes perfect sense. But not all the Jews said, hey, I'm going to stay true to my God, and I'm only going to marry other Jews. They started intermingling or marrying with the Assyrians and with the other people. Well, the people of Judah, who were the true pure-blooded Jews, did not look like that. And they, they looked down on them. And each, each group of people did not like each other. But that's kind of where you get the difference between the Jews and the Samaritans. They were known as half-breeds. They, were, uh, they just did not like each other. They actually hated each other. They were enemies. Uh, there was a lot of name-calling and other things like that that happened between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans, I don't know who started this officially, but the Samaritans wrote their own book of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And so the Jews, they responded by publicly, see if you guys agree with this. Maybe you guys will say this was exactly the right response. The Jews responded by publicly cursing the Samaritans in the synagogues and praying daily that they may not enter eternal life. Sounds like nice people, right? That's exactly what we should do with our enemies, is pray that God will curse them and that they won't, get eternal life, and let's do it at church, right? That's kind of what they're doing. That sounds right. Well, the, the, obviously, the Samaritans, they're enemies, and so one day they snuck into the temple in Jerusalem, and they took human bones, and they started hucking them all over the place. This totally defiling the temple. So they just went back and forth, and they hated each other for years upon years, and it's continued for, for, for generations. And the reason that they, they did not let Jesus go to uh, through or stay in Samaria was because he was going to Jerusalem. The, the Jews and the Samaritans, they, along the line, they, got, they had differing beliefs. You had the Jews who were trying to say, hey, we've got to worship in Jerusalem, where, where the temple was at. The, the Samaritan says, no, we're supposed to worship at this different mountain. And so they, they had conflict, because even when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, she says, I know you're a prophet, but you say, we've got to worship in Jerusalem. 
And we, we got to worship on this mountain. So they have different belief systems. They have different places of worship. And they just cannot cohabitate. They cannot uh, both work together because they're not the same. I mean, it's, it's like you don't have Mormons who are, are, are fellowshipping with the Baptists. You don't have Jehovah's Witnesses that are fellowshipping with the Muslims because they're different. The Jews and the Samaritans were having differing belief systems. And so because Jesus was was not on the Samaritan side of where to worship, they said, you, we don't want you staying here. We don't want you. And if Jesus would have said, hey, you guys are right, then they would have been more than welcome. But that's obviously not the case. All this adds up to the fact that the Jews and the Samaritans do not like each other. They don't get along. They could care less about what happens to each other. So when Jesus shows up, they, they want nothing to do with him because of the destination of where he's going. The disciples faced rejection. It was a very simple thing. Jesus said, why don't you guys go and make preparations for us? There's a group of us coming, at least 12 disciples, probably other people. They're going to need a place to stay. They're going to need food to eat. He says, why don't you guys just go ahead and make things ready? And, and they faced rejection for that. And in a minute, we're going to see what's their response to that, to this rejection. When you are trying to do what God wants you to do, to fulfill God's call in your life, whether it's it's this big or whether it's this big, no matter what it is, you're going to face rejection. You're going to face it from people in America, from people in Montana, from people in Baker and in Plevna. There's going to be people at your jobs or at, at your, in your neighborhood who find out that you're a Christian and the message that you're trying to share, and they're going to hate you for that. There are, some people might physically try to harm you. They might actually try to beat you up because you are trying to fulfill God's call in your life. That's going to be rejection. Some people are going to tease you or put you down because you're trying to stand for Jesus. And that's a really tough thing. But that's like a very public and outgoing, uh, a public enemy kind of thing to do. But it's not always just the, the enemy out there that's, trying to, that's going to reject you. You might have people in your own family that are going to reject you or reject the message that you're trying to share with other people. And it's not even going to be uh, like this blatant rejection. Uh, when Leslie, when she was younger, she wanted to go be a missionary to a different country. And her mom said, God wouldn't want you to do that. He wouldn't want you to leave your family, go across the sea, and be a missionary there. Because that's just not the way that God is. Well, uh, what's the definition of a missionary, right? They're going someplace else. and They're, they're raising support. The disciples did it, right? All through the New Testament, you have people doing that. So you're going to have people that are rejecting you. They're going to try to change your mind. They're going to say, you know what? If you don't do full-time ministry, I bet you could get a job at such and such place of employment. It's going to be more financially sound. It's going to be more lucrative. It's going to be more secure if you do something else. But they're not going to like it. People you love, you invest time in. Your neighbors, your, your cousins or, your, or family that you share Christ with, the people you share Christ with at work, they're going to say, you know what, I don't believe you, Jason. I don't know what you're saying. I don't get it. I don't think it's real. And they're just, just going to be like, it's going to hurt you. It's going to bother you. It's going to make you mad. It's going to make you sad. But this, you're going to face rejection. Now, hopefully, I'm hoping like the percentages are way different. I hope the, the acceptance rate is like 90% or 95 You only have like 5%. But you know that 5% of rejection is still going to always be in the back of your mind. It's always going to hurt 
because that 5% still said no. I mean, even like people who get up in, and run for office, I know that this guy who, uh, he, he was a really good youth pastor uh, in Spokane at the church that we went to. He wanted to be the senior pastor. And he said, I want such and such percent of the vote because they were going to make him the senior pastor, and it wasn't enough. I mean, I mean, it was enough for the church's approval rating, but it wasn't enough for himself. He said, I can't live with that percent of people who do not want me, that were rejecting him at that church. And it was like most people would be like satisfied with that, but he just wanted such a high standard. And so like that little 10% of people or whatever it was, he couldn't handle that rejection, so he went somewhere else, and I don't know how it turned out. We kind of lost touch, but it's, rejection is hard, and it's easy to hang on to the bad, but rejections are going to come as a part of ministry, and if you're not resolved, if you're not determined to go and do it anyway, guess what? That rejection is going to stop you. Boy, my aunt didn't like that. I'm not telling anybody. Those people didn't want to receive that message. Fine. I don't care. I'm not doing it anymore because it bothers me so much. But if, I, if I'm resolved, I'm going to say, I'm sorry that Joe Schmo didn't like this. I'm trying again, or I'm going a different place, or I'm going to find a different way to get to where I'm going. You've got to be resolved so when you face rejection, you can keep going. When you face rejection, which we all do in some form or some area of life, how do you handle it? You've got to handle it the right way. We're going to see this real quick how the disciples did. Verses 54 to 56, it says, One of the disciples, James and John, saw this. They asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went away to another village. Boy, I bet those disciples were just chomping at the bits. You know what? If Jesus will let us call down fire on these people, this could be a good day, because we hate these people anyway. We're praying that they do not go to heaven. We want God to curse them. So what better than that? You got God's blessing to torch these people. But that's not obviously going to happen. Jesus does not allow that. Back in 2 Kings, you find that Elijah was able to call down fire on a captain and his 50 men. And he did that two different times. So that's 102 people who died in the Old Testament, which was completely different reasonings than what the disciples had. The disciples wanted revenge. They're mad about this. You don't want this. I don't care. We're just going to torture you, send you straight to hell. Elijah had a different uh, meaning and, and purpose in mind. He was proving God, whereas these guys, all they wanted to do was just want revenge. It says Jesus rebuked the disciples. It doesn't say what he said. I have no idea what Jesus said. He could be thinking, really, guys? Is this what I've been teaching you the whole time? Is this what I've been demonstrating you to you that we're supposed to have revenge? Don't you guys remember verses or, or script, things that I've told you, such as Luke 6, 27, but I tell you who hear me, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless, uh, or bless those who, let me say that again. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Isn't that what I taught you, guys? And he said, no, this isn't right. This is not the, way, the correct way. I understand that it hurts you guys, but this is not how you handle rejection. you got to get your outlook different. However it was, Jesus rebuked them. And Jesus acted differently. Jesus turned and he walked away. Jesus went to a different Samaritan village on his way to Jerusalem. So how are you going to handle rejection? Now the natural tendency is, is to say, fine, it's, it's your choice, it's your fault. Um, I, I told Jennifer I was going to, 
bring this up on, on Wednesday, and this is, this is, like I said, something that's maybe it's more dear to me. I don't know if it's because it's, it's just me personally or because of the position. But anyway, on Wednesday at Awana, we were discussing, she was talking to her kids in her Awana class about being a missionary. And I just happened to walk in, and she said, you know, a pastor's kind of like a missionary. What's the best part about being a pastor? I said, preaching. I love it. It's my, it's, it's my all-time favorite thing to do as part of a pastor. I learn so much. I think it's just the teacher in me that says, I want you to see this. I want you to understand it. And I just, it, just, it, just, it, may, it fills the tank in me that says, I really enjoy this. And she goes, well, what's the hardest part? And I, I, I did not give, I, if I would have thought a second longer, I would have given a different answer. But I told her, I, I said, the hardest part is, is like comforting people. You know, when I think of people who have lost somebody, I think of when Fred passed away and, and when I went out to their house, I was scared to death because I, I can get up here and talk for hours. You know, you probably assume that, but to try to comfort somebody, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words to say. I know my wife could just like blow me out of the water with being a comforter. But I, I got to thinking when I was reading through this, uh, even just last night, the, the, the hardest thing about being a pastor is when I get rejected. That's the hardest thing. You know, if I pour my life and soul into a message, and it's like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Or I, I've shared the gospel on a Wednesday night. Uh, we've shared the gospel, and I said, you know what? Uh, anybody who wants to receive Christ, just, we're just going to close our eyes and just raise your hand. And nobody did, which maybe everybody's saved. And if that's the case, that's exactly, that's better than anything, right? But to be rejected is like the worst thing. You share the gospel with somebody, you try to impact somebody's life, and then there's nothing. It, to me, it, it, would be, it would be so easy to, to say, well, fine. You don't want this? Fine. I got my own little wife. I got my own little kids. We'll just do our own little thing and go to church, and I'll, I'll help them learn their wanna verses because I can kind of control that. But I can't have any effect or any control of anybody out there, right? Because everybody thinks for themselves and everybody reasons for themselves and accepts and rejects whatever they want for themselves. So to me, this, this hits really close to home that I could say, forgive this, fine, go to hell. That's where you want to go? You don't want to accept this message? Fine. You don't want to grow? You don't want, you don't want to receive what God wants you to do? Fine. Go ahead and just say, I'm just going to quit. Obviously not the right response, right? And I need to do the same thing that I think Jesus would tell his disciples. Love Love people. When you're at work and you're sharing Christ with somebody, when you're talking to your kids and you're talking to your cousins or your neighbors, you don't just give up on them. You, you keep trying. But I, I do want to come back to something that I, I kind of skipped over. Jesus moved on from there. He, he could have said, I'm going to do a, a bunch of miracles. He could, have said, he could have done all sorts of things that made it very obvious to these people that he is who he is. But he didn't. I think, though, he's trying to show, A, that he's showing to his disciples that I love these people too, that I care about these people. But they have their own choice to make. They reject me? Okay. You know, a couple weeks ago, or probably a month ago, we looked when Jesus sent the two disciples, or the 12 disciples out two by two. They were preaching the message, and they were trying, they were doing, healing, casting out demons, and they were healing people. And then when they went to somebody's house, if they rejected their message, remember what they did? They wiped off their feet. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a sign of rejection back. Like, that's, that's your choice, you know. But it's like, it was okay to move on. Jesus moved on when the Samaritan says, we don't want you here. He said, okay. But he didn't stop. 
he found another village to go to. When, you, when uh, the disciples, when that house, those people rejected him, they didn't say, fine, I'm going home. I don't care anymore. They said, fine, we're just going to go find somebody else to talk to. So just because you're facing rejection and it's hard and you want to quit, don't quit. Keep trying. Just find somebody else or some avenue of way to reach people. Because really, you know what, it, it, I don't know if this will make you feel better or not, but when it comes down to it, all I am is a messenger, right? I, I can't save anybody. I, I, could, I could preach what I think is the best message of, of sharing the gospel. And it could be well-received, and 14 people could come up here. Guess what I had to do with that? Nothing. I mean, I, I said some words, and people were able to understand it, but I didn't save anybody. I didn't draw those people. In John 6:44, God draws people. The Holy Spirit convicts people, and Jesus saves people. All I am is the person who's saying something. So if they reject the message, they're not even really rejecting me. They're rejecting God or Jesus who, who, who died on the cross who's trying to give this message. So at least, at least there's a little bit of consolation that way. But Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem. He was determined. Nothing was going to stop him. The disciples probably thought they were resolved to get there too, but when they faced rejection, they couldn't handle it. And, then, and so they wanted to handle it that way. So let me ask one more time, how are you going to handle rejection? When you try to share Christ with somebody or you try to minister to somebody and it doesn't work, are you going to quit? Are you going to give in? Are you going to say it's not worth the hassle? If you take your eyes off of Jesus, if, you ha if your resolve isn't to do what Jesus wants you to do, I guarantee you, you will give up. If, if you're just, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to, but you're not determined to do it no matter what, you're going to give up because you're not going to be able to handle that rejection. But if you, if you make your resolve to do what God wants you to do, if you, if you tell God, hey, I'm determined, and you pray and ask God to, to help you to do that, but you keep your eyes focused on him, you know what? I think you're going to make it. I think you're going to be able to keep your resolve. Even when rejection comes, you're not going to be stopped by it. You're going to be able to keep going and keep persevering. But the key is you've got to keep your resolve and you've got to keep your focus on him because rejection is going to come. People are not going to like you. They're not going to like your message. But keep your resolve, and I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to be able to keep your resolve to do what God wants you to do. Rejection is hard. Don't let it stop you. Be, be challenged to be resolved. It's going to cost you. I, I, there's no way around it. It's going to cost you if you're going to try to follow Jesus. But know that uh, rejection is going to come. And that's, that's going to be hard to, to handle as well. But don't let that stop you. Go to Jesus for help and keep your resolve on him and keep your eyes fixed on him. And he's going to help you accomplish whatever goal it is that he's put on your life. I want to pray and I want to ask God to help each of us to be resolved. Re, yeah, to be resolved to do what God wants us to do. And then when uh, rejection comes, that we don't give in, and that we'll handle rejection the right way and to keep going. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, you gave us a perfect example, just a simple little thing of, the, of you and the disciples trying to get to uh, Jerusalem. And just a little bit of rejection, God, it, it was really hard for the disciples, and then they, did, they didn't handle it the right way. God, and I just pray that you would help each of us in here to be resolved, to be determined, to set our face that no matter what comes, God, that we're going to do what you have asked us to do. Full-time, short-time ministry, whether it is that or whether it's just going to talk to our neighbors about you. God, give us the resolve to do what you want us to do. And God, it sounds like, 
rejection is going to come in one form or another. And I pray that, God, we would be resolved to get through that. We keep our eyes fixed on you so we handle rejection the right way. We move on to somebody else, but we don't quit and we don't give in. We don't uh, cower from the opportunities that still are in our path. I just pray for everybody here who wants that resolve that you would give them that fire, that determination to accomplish your will and to have the strength to overcome those rejections. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.